This is a massive problem. We have a massive dummying down of American children via our food supply and what we are doing to them in the early part of their lives. Our kids have not been healthy for over 20 years by no fault of our own. It's not mom or dad's fault. Hi, I'm Emily Abbott. Welcome to The Brain Possible, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts that you can give your children is the gift of hope and possibility. Hope to fulfill their dreams or to achieve all that they want in this life. Hope to walk independently. Hope to speak. Hope to have a conversation with you and to be able to tell you what they're thinking out loud. As for possibility, imagine that anything is possible, if only you have the faith to believe it. Your journey to become more empowered, informed, connected, and free from limitations starts now. We're so happy that you're taking this journey with us. There are so many factors making our kids sick, but we don't have to focus on all the factors. I focus on the most important ones. Like if you think about what makes your house dirty, you could probably think about 20 things that are dirtying your house this very minute, but you focus on the top three or four, right? Otherwise you would go crazy trying to keep your house tidy. So I focus on the most important and the most important one is food. My mother asked me last night when I told her I was, I was talking to you and I, I mentioned something about GMOs and she said, doesn't your body just digest the GMO? Why does it matter? That is actually a really good question because the promoters of genetic modification or genetic engineering, what let's call it GMO. I I try not to use that word anymore because it's such a hateful word these days and people like glaze over when you say GMO that I say other things instead of GMO. But let's just say GMO. It's a genetically modified organism. There are are different types. One's called BT. And BT, um, they took this bacteria that is a natural insecticide. They genetically engineered it and inserted it into corn. For example, it's called BT corn. You don't know that you're eating it if you eat non-organic corn. You don't know that it's BT corn. And every kernel of corn inside that, that ear of corn is, has, is an insecticide itself. So the plant itself has become an insecticide. Now, Monsanto, now Bear, told us that, well, gee, not harmful to us because our acidic guts will break down that BT genetically modified corn and you'll just poop it out like your mom said. But a couple problems with that. Only two studies. There are no human studies on GMOs. Not one. You are eating, you, global, we, are eating this stuff since 1996, 98, and not one human study. But there were two studies, one out of uh, Quebec, um, that looked at maternal fetal blood, and they found these floating little particles of BT in the fetus blood and the maternal blood. There's Okay, so that was one problem. So no, it was not being broken down. It was transporting out. The second issue is some of us, how about a third of the American population, 
which is on Prilosec and other inhibitors of acid production, acid blockers, a lot of people know that, don't have very acidic stomachs. So we are not breaking down the BT and that stuff is going through. What we think is happening with these GMO particles that are going right on through, as your mom says, we're not digesting them, that the microbes, which we will talk about today, in your gut may be swapping genetic information, having little bacterial sex, swapping information called transduction with these particles. So our microbes may be incorporating some of the genetically modified material into our microbes. And we think that could be happening. I read it in a European paper. I actually have the PDF if anybody needs it, because people say, where are you getting this from? Everything I tell you today, I've cited. Otherwise, I will become like a little shish kebab and skewer, and I'm a little Barbie. Um, so I really try um, to cite and verify anything I'm telling you today. There is a study, and I got it out of a European study. A lot of it is not coming from the U.S. It's coming from other countries because here in the U.S., we're not studying it. Industry owns universities, and researchers are now being told what they can and can't research. Why? focus on the infant's microbiome. Everybody's all jazzed up about immune function right now because of COVID. We are in, you know, COVIDemia. And so everybody's trying to bolster their immune function. That's good. The immune function is housed in your gut. 70, 80% of your immunology, of your immune function comes from your gut. One of the key drivers of your immune function is your microbiome, also known as the microbiota. There's a collection of organisms. It should be diverse, 500, 600, up to 1,000 species. Americans have very non-diverse microbiome from our sad diets. And that microbiome helps regulate immune function. Important in terms of immune regulation are those microbes. Now, those microbes, that microbiota, are inherited from mom. Mom is the steward of baby's immune function. They inherit that microbiome via vaginal birth, nursing, and family contacts. Dad, siblings, dog, cat. That's how the baby inherits the microbiome. The main driver, however, is mom through the vaginal birth. And if it's not a vaginal birth, like one-third of American births are not vaginal. Right. I had one, C-section. Um, nursing, breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is a huge way the baby inherits the microbiome. Now, it's not to say the baby won't do okay if they don't get breastfed, but it's a definite disadvantage. Be clear. There's no shaming here. There's no formula shaming, but it's not as good as nursing. And I can tell you why. We know why. It's not like a mystery. So these microbes are predict your health in terms of immune function, detoxification, production of vitamins, autoimmunity, metabolic issues such as obesity and diabetes, and your mental health, all stem from your microbiome. And there are factors that are jeopardizing our children's microbiota. So that's why it's so important. What are those factors that are jeopardizing our children's microbiome? We have two dad families. We have moms who can't nurse. We have moms going back to work. We have, we have all kinds of situations. We have C-sections. We have formula-fed babies. 
We have antibiotics either received by mom or baby, especially if the babies are little, things like groupie strep, ear infections, etc. The timing of when that baby receives that antibiotic is important too. Is it under six months? Worse. You know, is it past six months? Maybe better. Antibiotic dosing. Other pharmaceuticals, Tylenol, acetaminophen can affect the microbiome. Okay, we now know EMFs, electromagnetic fields, 4G, 5G, can affect the microbiome. The microbiome communicates through EMFs. Oh, yeah. This is something that no one's talking about, is how do these organisms communicate? They talk to each other. There's microbial crosstalk. And what I am presently researching, Emily, and I'm not finding a lot of great data, but I'm going to keep looking, is the effect of vaccinations on the microbiome. What have you found out of some of those factors? Which ones have they studied at all? I can tell you what I do know. I can tell you for the antibiotic microbiota, that's easy. Antibiotics kill my microbes, right? So they just don't kill necessarily the pathogenic microbes that are causing your baby's ear infection. They also uh, kill off beneficial microbes, the things you don't want to kill off. So that's, that's clear. Um, but some of the other things that I'm seeing, I know, for example, I've read, I have some good data that heavy metals uh, affect your microbiome. We know mercury does, for example. What I'm investigating is now what's the effect of aluminum which is in vaccines, it's in cookware, it's um, chemtrails, you, you pick it, whatever you want. What is the effect of aluminum on the microbiota? The microbes don't like a lot of these heavy metals. They affect microbial growth. That's what I'm looking at, what I'm also investigating. I also want to know the effects of um, solvents. Solvents can also affect immune function. Um, there are solvents that have been found in formula. They use hexane for example, which is a solvent to create soy, right? You use hexane, which is a carcinogen. So some babies who can't tolerate, um, let's say dairy, are put on soy formulas, you know, not so unusual. Well, soy, not only is it GMO soy, if the formula is not organic, it's extracted with hexane, which is a carcinogen. And I, solvents are also immunotoxic. So I suspect they also affect the microbiome. And whenever I see that a chemical is a toxic to the immune function, I even go a step further. Is it toxic to the immune function because it's affecting the microbes? Those, a lot of those microbes are extremely sensitive. The biggest effector of your baby's microbiome is glyphosate. Glyphosate is the key um, herbicide in Roundup. It's been found in breast milk. It's in every single one of us, unless you eat 100% organic and nobody can, it's impossible. It's in uh, formula. Glyphosate has been found in formula. Glyphosate was patented by Monsanto Bayer as an antibiotic, the patent in 2003, finalized in 2010. It's an antibiotic. So that is in our babies as well. Another thing that a lot of people are not aware of is all the other food products that uh, contain glyphosate. So can you speak to some of the biggie common ones? Genetically engineered crops like soy, corn, canola, um, sugar from sugar beets, some papayas, some squash, some zucchini, etc. There are many now. Arctic apples and eight potatoes. We got a whole list. They were they are genetic. These plants are genetically engineered so that when you spray glyphosate-based herbicides Roundup, the plant don't die. 
Okay, but the companies have been using Roundup off-label as a crop desiccant to dry out the crop right before harvest. So they're using it on legumes, wheat, uh, oats to dry down the crop. Those crops, like Cheerios, have some of the highest levels of glyphosate because they're used right before harvest. So those levels are even higher than in the genetically modified crop like corn. So when you eat oatmeal, wheat bread, anything with a pea protein in it, which a lot of vegetarians eat, they eat legumes, which are pea protein isolates. You'll see pea protein isolate and a lot of these protein shakes that are marketed for, let's say, vegetarians have very high levels of glyphosate in them. And glyphosate is a neurotoxic endocrine disruptor. Um, it impairs um, um, your whole liver pathway. It, it produces non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and it's a carcinogen, among other things. Aluminum, glyphosate binds with aluminum, carries it up across the blood-brain barrier into your child's brain. The websites now have been blocking integrative sites. So here's a, a mom and a dad. They're on their stuff. They're Googling stuff, right? Sayer G's been blocked. You can't find anything. All you're going to get is Genetic Literacy Project, Alliance for Science, and all this BS because the parents can't find the truth. And that's the problem. You don't need to know all the answers. Like you can say, okay, this woman's out of her mind. How am I ever going to find out what this woman is talking about? You don't need to. Just eat organic or grow your own. What about um, if you can't find organic, is non-GMO just as good? Yes and no. I would rather eat pesticides than eat GMO and pesticides personally. However, some of those pesticides levels are so high. I avoid the owl foods, oats, wheat, and legumes if they're not organic. Let's say you can't find organic. It's too expensive. Um, you know, it's not. And right now, there's a harder to find certain things. If I, and then you say, well, what if I just buy non-GMO, which is good. But oats, wheat, and legumes, some of the things that kids eat, right? That would be like <laughs> half the stuff children eat. It's still high in pesticides. Some of us can handle it. We can clear it. Some of our children cannot because they're missing an enzyme that breaks down the pesticide. It's called PON1. So some of that's like you can have many children. A family can have eight children. Four are fine, four are not. Why is that? Genetically, they look different unless you have identical twins. Some of those kids may have enzymes to break down those pesticides. Some don't. Genetic, it's genetic crapshoot. All your kids can look different. It's not to say, well, my first kid has it, but my second don't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They can all look a little different. Five kids, five personalities, right? One could have asthma, one doesn't. One's obese, one's not. It, and it also depends on what was happening to mom and dad to a degree at the time of that birth. There are epigenetic changes. There are changes to mom's microbiome. Maybe she got antibiotics right before delivery on baby three, but not baby five. What I tell people is if you can avoid processed foods in general, you're better off. Even if it can't be all organic, avoid processed foods. It means cook at home. COVID has got us cooking at home. I'm not supporting, listen, I'm not supporting a pandemic. Believe me, I'm not. But there, 
there are some silver linings. We're cooking at home like crazy here. We're eating better. How's your health been since the COVID pandemic? I've been asking everybody. People feel better. And I'm not trying to uh, rag on restaurants, but if they don't clean up and go organic, they're not going to get my business. I'm not doing it. They're shopping at those massive, they're using GMO canola oil and all that. You know, I like takeout too, Emily, and not to cook at night is a beautiful thing, but there's no such thing as cheap food. And the only way I can compare it, the way people understand it here where I live, is when you drive a cheap car and it be, it's clinking, it's not running well, and it's not driving well, or you're running a high-end car and we knows what those feel like. Everyone knows what the high-end car feels like compared to the low-end car. I can make food taste good with salt, sugar, fat. So I could, I could hide. I know how to, like, restaurants know how to make things taste good, even if it's not quality. So I say, don't do it. Until your restaurants in your neighborhood change, you tell them what you want. If they don't change, eat home. Can you tell me why this isn't addressed with general pediatricians? This is really hard for me to wrap around because we as pediatricians, the first thing we learn how to do is take care of babies, right? I mean, you know, who has the most visits of any pediatric population the first year of life? Our infants, right? You're in there all the time between well baby visits and sickness and everything else. Um, you're in the doctor's office all the time. The, if you just have to Google infant microbiome and you'll get like 1,200 hits, right? It's, it's everywhere. This is not new stuff, Emily. And pediatricians need to wake up to the effect of the microbiome on infant health. Why they're so behind, I don't know. This is not integrative medicine. This is just medicine. Now, this idea, it's more complicated than we like to think. You just, what I, back 10, 20 years ago, I just used to throw probiotics at moms and babies and say, oh, give them some probiotics. Oh, not so fast. Really, there is some, which probiotics you give babies matters. The strains you give them matters. And if a baby is nursed, they, there's so, mu- so many microbes in the breast milk, they don't need probiotics. And if they do, because the baby got an antibiotic for an infection, you give them to mom and they will get into the breast milk. The breast milk can have up to 500 or 600 species in breast milk. It's this massive conveyor of organisms. And the main ones baby needs, especially if they're solely breastfed, are a kind of organism called bifidobacteria. Once a baby is on formula and advanced diet, solids, that microbiome starts to transition out. So babies who are solely breastfed need a certain kind of organism. And as their diet changes, their microbiome changes. And once you introduce formula, the microbiome permanently changes in a baby. And it's those bifido that you need. So the, we know now that the main strains you need are called lactobacillus rhamnosus, lactobacillus GG, bifidobacteria infantis, and lactobacillus fermentum. And there are certain ones they need, and those are the main ones. And it's not like you need a lot of them either, 25 billion strains. No, maybe a billion or 5 billion strains. You don't need that much. But we always use mom as the vehicle if she's nursing. We always use mom. They are starting in babies who are formula fed. They are now adding a probiotic to, ba- to formula. And 
it's not just enough to add a probiotic. You need to add a prebiotic. So they're adding the prebiotics. They're called FOS and GOS, fructooligosaccharides and galactooligosaccharides. That's a fancy name. That's basic bug food. They're adding bug food to the formula. In breast milk, there's something called human milk oligosaccharides, HMOs. There are up to 200 different kinds, and each mom has a unique profile of these HMOs. Um, and these HMOs, mom's own individual unique HMOs feed that own unique baby. So that mom's prebiotic is designed for those microbes and that infant. So that's why I've always been concerned about milk banks and other things, because that milk may not be designed for that baby. Interesting. But that, that's going to take us down another subject. But anyway, there is prebiotic. And so those bugs need the food to thrive. You got to feed your microbiome, seed and feed. Okay, so everyone who's taking a probiotic, if they need one, need to be taking a prebiotic as well. Or could they eat something that will feed it, like sauerkraut? Um, anything, um, fiber, microbes like fiber. So they, um, inulin, they like something called inulin. Inulin is basically an onion. So I said, eat an onion. Um, so inulin, um, some, I like resistant starches. The, 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 like mom can eat, um, resist like rice. Now, this weekend's a whole arsenic question, but if you make, let's say, rice, after you cook it, let it sit in the refrigerator, eat it the next day, and it becomes really, it's called, becomes a resistant starch, and it becomes really good food for the microbiome. So the microbiome likes starches. They like veggies, fiber. They like legumes, organic, because legumes are high in pesticides because they spray them. Um, so you want to eat a rich diet of various starches, and there is starch in vegetables, right? They have starches. Um, and um, so mom's diet, fruits and veggies, veggie, 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 a little bit of fruit. I prefer veggies, of course, over fruits because fruits have a lot of sugar, but there are some really good fruits too, like raspberries, all the berries, blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, every other kind of berry. And you try to eat as much organic as you can because berries are heavily sprayed. And they're not just sprayed with glyphosate, bad enough, especially strawberries, for example are sprayed with fungicides and like methyl bromide and other fungicides. So to kill off the fun fungi on the plants, right? You, you know, a lot of those berries, they get, you know, mold like immediately, you gotta eat them really fresh. You don't wanna eat moldy berries, toss them, I know. Put them in your compost. Be yes, it's not good for your gut, especially so many people have mold sensitivities now. So, um, and that will support your, micro your microbiome. Or you could take it in the capsule for people who don't eat as rich a diet. I take a probiotic every day. I do for myself. I've been on a lot of antibiotics, long story, not by choice. And so I try to recover it. And pediatricians aren't testing the microbes either. You can test the microbes in your gut. It's easy to do. And it's not a blood test for kids. It's a poop test. We're changing 10 diapers a day. We can get poop. You just named a whole bunch of different types of probiotics. I'm imagining what a doctor could do. Might they make a chart of like, well, okay, now it's time you started, your baby's transitioned. You need to switch to this type of probiotic. You need to add the, this into their diet. 
to feed the probiotic? How do they know which probiotic is right for them without a stool test? Um, if the baby's not having any issues, they may not need a probiotic at all. What about a child who maybe is having some issues? Babies with issues, I would love to get a stool test and see what their stool actually looks like. Data is a wonderful thing. But if I couldn't, I would start with Bifidobacterium infantis. Start with infant bacteria. And then I would do just a basic, they call them baby bifido. They have um, infant, infant probiotics. I probably would start something like that. And if the baby's older, nine months, a year old, I start adding sauerkraut juice, just about everything. And the information's coming out and changing all the time, Emily. We speak next year and it might be some new data. You know, we're constantly learning about this. Don't be germ phobic. You know, the baby can get dirty. You know, we're all running around with, you know, wipes right now, Clorox wipes. It, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, what are we doing? If you, Let the baby roll around in that garden organic garden with no pesticides. The first thing I say is we have to look at the body and the internal terrain and where you live is the external terrain. If the goldfish bowl is dirty and you keep adding medicine to it, it will still be dirty. Okay. You must clean a goldfish bowl. So you got to dump the dirty water and what you put into your environment matters. Taking your shoes out the door, dusting, Water filters. It doesn't have to be a $1,200 reverse osmosis system. You can use a $30 Brita system, and that's still better than top water. Your cleaning products, your hair products. Ladies, how many freaking products do we use? Oh, my God. When you look at what's in a woman's makeup drawer, hello, it's a toxic nightmare in there. So let's look at ourselves. Now, we don't. many of us cannot do a radical shift. Some of us need six months or a year. Some of us are going to go home and dump our drawer out. You know, hey, every change you make is a change. So depending, you have to be who you are. And plastics, get rid of your freaking plastics. Look at your cookware. Look at how you're microwaving. Get rid of the microwave. Do you really need it? Simplify. Go to glass. Go to steel. These are the changes we're talking about, and I can give you references how I tell parents how to do this, but these are the external environment, right? From personal out. Then it's what are we putting in our mouths? It takes some discipline because we've been enculturated for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of eating a certain way, and food is associated with emotional memory. Oh, mom used to make this Campbell's soup. Oh, when I all that, get rid of it. It's got to go. So we have to change our, our what we eat. And the best thing you can do is get rid of processed foods. If you just got rid of processed and couldn't get all organic, but got rid of processed, that would be huge because processed foods have in so many preservatives, carrageenan, emulsifiers, all those things have been shown to affect the microbiome and they're toxic, BHT, etc. So get rid of the processed foods. You will save money there. Perhaps the money you save on cereal, I can barely keep it out of my own house. It's so addictive, that freaking cereal. Kids don't need that cereal and milk. If you didn't buy that $6 box of cereal, you could probably buy some organic beans and rice. Just saying. So what we eat, how we prepare it, who we give our money to matters. Create community among yourselves. Talk to your friends. See what they're doing. Moms groups. And I say moms. I focus a lot on women because women seem to get this. 
But honey, where are the dads? This is not a mom's movement. It's a parent movement. So I want to see all those freaking dads step up. Let's get the pressure off mom. These children, last I checked, belong to both parents. Someone asked me today that they'd love to know more about feeding the brain. Basically, food is medicine, feeding the brain. That could be, I think that is in itself a whole topic, but I still would like to hear your shortened version of brain food. Our children are suffering a massive neurocognitive brain-related health that I've never seen before. That's how I really got started this. I was shocked by our children's brain health. And that looked like many forms. It could look like ADHD. It can look like autism spectrum. It could look like sensory defensiveness. It could look like a lot of things. And, and I was so horrified as a pediatrician that epidemics, you think Corona is an epidemic, autism is an epidemic. So, but we don't seem to get as riled up about our children as we do about other things. That being said, there is something called the gut-brain axis. And the gut and the brain communicate via something called the enteric nervous system. If the gut is not right, the brain will not be right. And if the brain's not right, the gut will not be right. The first thing you must do to fix your child's brain issue, whatever it might be, is fix the gut. If you don't fix the gut, there is no supplement that I'm going to give you, no remedy, no herb that's going to fix his brain if that gut's not working right. Because this axis is commuting. It's an involved nervous system that is in a huge communication highway of what communicates. And that being said, there are certain foods that your brain does need. And it needs a hell of a lot of minerals like zinc and magnesium, et cetera, that you find in normal foods. Maybe your kid might need a supplement. I don't know. It's possible because there may not be enough, even in organic, might be mineral deficient. Zinc and magnesium play huge roles in brain function, and our kids are low. They may, they may, need, may need more vitamins like vitamin D, vitamin A. Vitamin, those are fat-soluble vitamins, also crucial for brain function. And last but not least are the omega-3s and DHA. Those are fats, healthy fats, and your kid may need more. And those come often in fish oil. But you, in a vegetarian diet, you can get them also from hemp. I worry about fish oils and people buying fish oils because I don't know if the fish have been cleared of mercury by the company. I, there are, it's hard for me to know because fish are so contaminated now with mercury that I'm scared to prescribe some supplements because I don't know if the company has done due justice in vetting their product. They say they do. I hope they're correct. I'm not in their lab. I don't know. So we want mercury-free, heavy metal-free. So I do promote using, whether it's fermented cod liver oil or fish oil, or, or I like algae omega by Nordic Naturals. I've done hemp. I've done, um, I've done um, Carlson's. I've done, um, um, I'd have to say, I take myself metagenics. I take some um, high EPA um, and DHA. And for infants, they need a lot of DHA. They actually put that in formula now. It's a form of fat that's good for brain function. And if there's one thing pregnant moms can take a lot of, it's EPA and DHA. Probiotics and fish oils are probably the best thing pregnant women can take, assuming they're not heavy metal contaminated. I have to preface, every supplement you take needs to be vetted. 
as best as you can. And that's why I say try to work with somebody. I spend as much time talking to people as I'm looking at product websites, emailing with the developers of products, saying, who vetted it? Where do you get your stuff from? How do you source it? Where is it grown? Does it come from uh, China? Does it come from India? Does it come from the U.S.? When I stopped using a certain probiotic by a company called Claire. I'll call them out um, because it's, it's a company called Prothera. They're in Nevada because they were sourcing their probiotics from Wisconsin from a company called Danisco. And Danisco is op- owned by DuPont. And I was like, there is no way I'm buying a probiotic made by DuPont because they make the pesticides that are killing off our microbiome, microbiome to begin with. And if you want to know what DuPont has done, watch the movie Dark Waters, and you can see how evil these companies are. You see, so that's that's more for me and what I have to tell you. I am oversharing now my brain with you, Emily. This is a big download. But this is how important it is. Pop in a vitamin from Costco. Costco's great. May not be good enough. I need to know who sourced it. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Dr. Michelle Perro. I loved getting to catch up with her. For more on Dr. Perro, please visit gmoscience.org. And be sure to pick up a copy of her book, What's Making Our Children Sick? How Industrial Food is Causing an Epidemic of Chronic Illness and What Parents and Doctors Can Do About It. Exploring the links between GM foods, glyphosate, and gut health. That's it for today. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes.